To sync this podcast to the episode, pause now and hit play right after the previously on. Hey everyone, welcome to episode three of Outlander, False Bride, written by uh, Jennifer Yale. Um, I'm Matt Roberts, uh, EP and writer on the show, here with... Tony Graffia, also EP and writer for Outlander. Uh, Welcome. Very excited to uh, be back on the podcast with you after... uh, after taking a, a a week off, I think. Uh, um, uh, who who did it? Were you? Uh, in- Luke. We had Luke with us last week. Luke was with um, you last. That must have been fun. It was fun. Okay. It was good. It, well, I wouldn't. Well, maybe fun is the wrong word actually, because the episode <laughs> was not so fun. It was a very serious. Uh, right. Right. A very serious episode it, it was. Uh, about Jamie at River Run. Um, Matt Aunt Jacosta, and this is kind of this episode is the really the fallout uh, and the aftermath of what happened um, last week. Uh, just a little uh, shout out here to the um, uh, art department. They had this uh, amazing stag built out of uh, wicker and and and. and um, it was pretty amazing too. That's pretty cool. And we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll see some of that later too. But, uh, some of you might recognize this as, uh, the Wakefield house. Yeah, this is, um, a scene that we thought would be poignant to see Roger back in his childhood home. Um, he has sold it to Fiona, who's now married, uh, to Ernie and, I don't know if we meet Ernie in the books. I can't remember or if he's only just mentioned, but we thought, you know, after seeing her, you know, mooning over Roger <laughs> last season or the season before, um, to see her happy now and having found love, that it's it's very sweet that uh, Roger sold the home, the Wakefield home to her and handing over the keys and sort of closing a chapter on his life here. Yeah, kind of keeping it in the family and it's a really good storage unit because he's keeping stuff upstairs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, I like that Fiona's just swigging that champagne right out of the bottle. She's a classy chick. <laughs> <Love> <laughs> and speaking of drinking, um, we are this week, uh, we thought about having uh, strawberry daiquiris because I think maybe some of you would understand why, but... Uh, in keeping with our whiskey tradition, we are having wild turkey, master's that, keep. Yeah, that felt too tropical. That would have been okay for last season, maybe, you know, in the Caribbean. And, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, there's a little significance to the strawberries. Which no, there we might is. see later. There is. No spoilers. Well, a lot of people have already seen this. <laughs> I know. I always forget that yeah. people have actually seen this episode. Yeah, um, you, you don't want to watch the first time watch, with us. No, you wanna, that would be horrible. No, we're total a total distraction. Yeah. Well, you are. You're distracting me right now. <laughs> well, because I'm drinking faster than you are? <laughs> I think it's, it's here. Mm. Yeah, this is uh, setting up a little bit of... Of, of the backstory of, of Roger and Bree and how much communication they've had over over the uh, mm-hmm. 
well, over the, the the break. We haven't seen them yet. So. Right. They've been they've been dating basically for a year or so since Claire left, and I love that Fiona who who really was sort of in love with Roger herself is able now to be his confidant and someone who is, you know, being supportive and encouraging of his his relationship with Bree. Um, back to River Run. Back to River Run. I got to say, this was one a challenging scene uh, in the writing because after what happened at the end of the last episode, it was so horrific and violent. It's like, what do you even say? And, and ultimately, we just decided, you know, say nothing. Just, uh, you know, basically, we can't stay here and just go right to, yeah. you know, we're leaving. Not going to be part of this. And I, I think there's also, you know, slightly different because they spend so much time there in the book whereas in, in the show we can't spend three four months right. in a place making a decision you know we have to move along we only have a certain amount of uh, episodes so the decision had to be made much faster we had to give right uh, you know not that there, it's an easy decision for claire and that was always the problem is that claire would come into this yeah. going, no way. She's just like, we're not owning slaves. Yeah. We're not going to be part of this. Um, I think it's more complicated for Jamie because he hates disappointing his aunt, but ultimately he's a progressive guy. He feels the same as Claire. You know, they saw slavery, they saw some of it in Jamaica, but here it is, and, you know, he's not just not going to participate in something that they both feel is very, very wrong. And Jocasta is just a product of her time. And it's, yeah. it's not excusing it. It's no. just she she doesn't know any different. You know, if if you know, you, you know, you just don't know any different. And right. it's, once again, it's not an excuse for it. No. It's, but Jamie and Claire both know different. Jamie, Claire's, of course, told Jamie, uh, you know, whether it's off camera or, or on their travels about her time. I've always imagined them in their travels and jamie saying you know tell me about yeah. tell me about your time and she does and there's there's about cars and planes and things and yeah. i'm sure she she's mentioned this is the way the world is in this time and and her friend joe and you know yeah here we have uh he's she's giving him these silver candlesticks that belong to his mother um. You know what I liked about that moment is that even though Jocasta can't see um, uh, Jamie, uh, or you know, and the way Sam played it is that he kept eye contact with her, and it's subtle, but it's really nice. You know, there's a moment; yeah. it's just a nice little beat there, and and it's a yes. small thing, but if you if you're watching, it it, it means a lot. You know, it's right. that he has enough respect that he that he still he he plays it like like she can see and i like that ah oh, john bell now in the book uh ian gets a letter from yeah from um his parents in scotland and they basically say we want you to stay with jamie and we've decided and we give you permission we changed that up a bit because we felt it was important for, yeah. for ian's growth and maturity to to take a step towards being a man and the way he convinces jamie is by taking this responsibility and saying look at all the stuff i've been through 
And I'm like you, you know, I'm built for this kind of life of adventure and I want to be a man and I want to write my own letter. I'm going to write my letter to them and let them know this is what I'm doing. And he convinces Jamie and it's an important step for Ian's uh, arc in this season uh, to have him make this decision. Yeah. Well, I love the list, too, because when Jamie starts hearing the list, he's like, geez, yeah, God. Well, when you I, put it that yeah, way. Yeah, geez. <laughs> he's gone through you enough. Know. He's not a little boy to be yeah. summoned home That's by That's a tough week. Daddy. Maybe you are a man, you know? Yeah. I mean, it really is. <laughs> now, I love this scene because, of course, Jocasta and Claire have, you know, a lot of uh, sparks and conflict between them. They're on opposite sides of the slavery issue but the one thing they have in common is that they both love Jamie Frazier very much and you know in some ways Jocasta even though she hasn't seen Jamie since he was young she's family she knows what's in his background she knows what he was born for and she kind of calls Claire out a little bit on like look you know maybe River Run's not the place for him but he's he's made for something he was born to be a leader in a laird and you know you seem to be holding him back from that and claire it gives her a lot to wrestle with in the rest of the episode it kind of gets under her skin um so it's an important catalyst for the story to come I like that they're both right. Yeah. That the 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 scene plays so well, and and both actresses have that to stand on. Is that and that's why I think it's such an intense scene. Is that that Claire's a thousand percent right. She doesn't know them together, but Jocasta's a thousand percent right. Jamie is a man yeah. amongst men, and he is a leader, and he is he was yeah. born to be more than just a printer in a shop. Right. And I love that about the scene. Yeah. And when, when you can get two Good characters scene. in a room That's and they're strong. both a hundred percent right, it makes you know, it mm-hmm. makes the scene so dynamic. Here's where we meet Clarence the Mule, of course, and we we did talk a lot in the beginning of the season about uh the animals that uh, we wanted to uh possibly include uh that we know are are some of the fan favorites and Clarence we put a little bray in there. A little sound effect, um, because he is, I, bu- I believe, in the book known as the loudest mule ever. Yeah, he's very quiet, though. This mule. <laughs> Movie magic. Yeah, I don't know if it's so magical. I gotta say, I love John Bell really brings a spirit to this character, uh, Ian, and and he's just so watchable, and, and you know... Um, well, he's the most excited, I think, about being in this yeah. new world, and it's just infectious. You mm. you get you get that through his eyes. Is there's there's the the person yeah. who is excited about every beat, and then you get the other characters that you know Jamie and Claire who are a little more yeah. wary about every move that yeah. they make. You know what I mean? So you you have a and, nice a nice balance between the two. And Jocasta being heartbroken, you know, just standing on the balcony, knowing what she's losing, family. Um, and not understanding why Jamie couldn't get over this. Well, I think Jocasta's lost a lot of family in her life, and every yeah. each time he, you know, peels another layer away from 
from yeah. you know her heart. I I I like the the truth in this is that even though you can write letters and you can do that with long distance call. Remember, this is like the 1970s, right? So a long distance call from from yeah. uh, the UK to the United oh. States would you know cost <laughs> would these cost guys a fortune. A, yeah, a fortune. <laughs> they would not be burning up the phone lines. They do not have Skype. They do yeah. not have you know. So they've visited a couple times, they've written letters, and they really are still a little bit, you know, strangers to each other. They And they have that awkwardness at the airport. Yeah. But I like that we showed them on this. Um, and then we give them, on the journey, you, yeah. they, they actually. I think every, yeah. every scene with them has been so angst-ridden that it's yeah. really nice to see. You know, that's our car, too. having fun. That's a. That's the Outland, that Outlander. Uh, we went. We went out and found this blue Mustang. Mustang. The yep. blue Mustang. That's ours. That's what she has in the book. Yeah. It's at the. Uh, it's it's at our um, yeah. studio. Roger and well, it's Bree's car. It's Bree's car. Yeah. Hey, how come he's driving? Well, he wanted to. He asked if he can uh-huh. if he can drive. Want to <laughs> take some turns? Uh, yeah. uh, there's Grandfather Mountain. And this is, of course, the minister's cat, which. Uh, I think the room was a little split on this. Some of us really love Minister's Cat from the book, and some of us were not so keen on including that. Um, it's a little wieldy to put into a scene, but um, I'm glad we did include it. Um, it you know, it, there's, there's, I know there's fans with T-shirts that say Minister's Cat. You know, we thought, ah, oh, we got to give them this. This is. I think it's fun to see. Well, it also helps that that Sophie and Richard, you know, play the hell out of it. So yeah, they know, did a good job with this. Yeah, um, that helps. Yeah, you know, she looked just looks so cute and smiley here. I like seeing the lighter side of Brianna. She's she's usually always so worried about something there in the is, show, and this is a enjoyable scene. Yeah. She just looks adorable, and they're cute together. You you. You really like them as a couple. Well, I think you have to build that in, especially for people that don't know the characters. You're just watching the television show. Yeah. You have to go, why do these two people, why why do they, you know, love each other so much? Why do they like, why do they like each other? Yeah. You know? Um, <laughs> to show them having fun. Uh, we did that actual stunt. Uh, uh, Roger uh, Richard was not involved, and I know some of uh, no some of you have hurt. heard um, about Richard's driving. <laughs> um, that was not Richard driving. That he's he's notoriously and and, and one day we'll tell. Uh, actually, we'll probably get uh, Richard and Sophie together with with me, and we'll tell you the story of his his the funny story of him driving the first time. Ah. Well, what's really cool, too, about that shot is that we, we purposely wrote this into the script, the match cut between the road that Bree and Roger are driving on, which is a highway back in the, you know, in, in the 60s um, or 70s, and then the match cut yeah. to that Claire and Jamie are traveling along literally the very same road in the shadow of Grandfather Mountain. And what's cool at this time is Bree doesn't even know that her parents were in North Carolina. She only thinks they yep. they lived in Scotland. And but the audience will recognize that wow, you know, the serendipity of them being in the same place 200 years apart. And I think that match cut is just 
really cool and something that is very outlander how we do the magic of and we won't tell you about all the magic of of how we put that together but it was it was a much more complicated than than it looked and i like that i like when these Mm -hmm. really complicated you know and it takes months and months and months to put together and they last three seconds on the screen but you know to me it it that's what takes uh, outlander to another level and they're, they're, we're willing to always go to that 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 extra mile. You can see that um, John Bell and um, Dewey, who plays Rolo, have really bonded and, and on 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 um, most of the time. The dog is such a sweet dog. That he doesn't uh, he doesn't growl and bark and do all the things that you know or, or fish like Rolo he doesn't do all those things so we got to kind of reinvent the character so right to, yeah right and uh, it's just a and gorgeous dog really gorgeous oh oh he is but loves in, John Bell too person though. yeah. Apparently, uh, Luke was telling me, and Luke was on the set supervising this episode and said that all of this, these traveling shots were shot in the same section of woods, essentially, which is a, a part of Scotland that's maybe the size of like maybe a state park, that it was all there. Lies. Except for... All lies. That's not true. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a one shot at the end that's, that's in a different place. But this is, you know, Scotland just is so rich with the landscapes. And Matt, you... Actually, before this season started, uh, visited North Carolina, drove all around the Blue Ridge Mountains, and what you saw there, you said, we, "Hey, this this kind of looks like Scot Scotland." And yeah, it, you know what what ends up happening is is you know when you're you know the saying when you're in the trees, um, it, it really ends up being a tree is a tree is a tree, and and I know that aren't, there's I'm sure a arborist and a botanist that are going to you know. Want to want to string me up for that, but <laughs> visually it, it it kind of looks the same, and that's what we were going for. Um, we we pick what we do is we pick a lot of locations that we can play a scene like this, but then yeah, then we can have a a, a second unit, you know, running carriages and horses back and forth, so we can create travel. And right. and, the, and the thing on our show that's very important is time. In, and creating an element of moving and going from one place to another. And we've always done it, and it's very important. Right. And, and of course, we like to do it in the most beautiful places. Um, and here's another one where we, we find them, you know, just really moving along the road, taking it all in. Yeah, I, you know? I had to say I was a little – I was skeptical. I've shot a pilot in uh... – and there's our turkeys. Wild turkeys. Gobble, gobble. Wild turkeys, Tony. I love them. I love them. Uh, I did a pilot in the Blue Ridge Mountains in, in North Carolina myself in Asheville. And I have to say, you know, it looks very similar to Scotland. And um, the beauty of the land is really what we were going for here. That as they're traveling, they're just falling in love with the land. Whether it's the eagles, the turkeys, the mountains, the... Uh, you know, Jamie is a, is a great lover of nature and he's being, you know, 
sort of seduced by the beauty of America and um well, I think many of the Scots, when they came over, you know, whether it was voluntary or involuntary, because many of them were indentured servants, is that they took up in this area because it 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 was rugged, it was it was um, away from, you know, the Blue Ridge and 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 the the, the Piedmont is so far away from the coast that they didn't have that kind of society right next to mm-hmm. so it was like the highlanders again you know high, scotland and the highlanders were so far away from edinburgh and glasgow and london and and they made their own rules mm-hmm. and it feels like you can do that out here yeah and that that's what that's what um um you know we kind of try to portray that jamie's taking this all in yeah and in the meantime, too, he's asking about Brianna. We always plan this season to have, you know, now that he knows that he has a daughter back in this other time, he, you know, he's constantly, you know, pumping Claire with questions about what Brianna's like and what, what the era that she lives in is like and well, what her life is like. It's important always that we we talked about this much is that, that, that Jamie wants a connection with her. Yeah. Even though he knows he's never going to see her. I think that's part of why he wanted to stay in America is to it's a feel, big part. feel close to her and um, feel like he's making the country better for her in some way. Yeah. If he stays she, and does this thing, yeah. then the then America will become America. Right. And, and, and that's it's what... It's not even America yet. We keep saying it. Yeah. It's America, but we have to always remind ourselves in the writer's room, like, hold on, it's actually not America yet. This We're is, pre-revolution. This is Britain. And, and it's, yeah, it's, it's British great territory at the moment. Yeah. Now, here you can see where Jocasta's words are working on Claire a little, and she, as much as she wanted to get away from River Run, she is thinking, you know, can Jamie be happy being a printer the rest of his life? You know, can he be behind a counter and not be a leader of men or have land and animals and tenants and people to care for? And she's sort of testing the waters a little and he's like he doesn't understand because he doesn't know what jocasta said to her and he's like look you know that he was an outlaw when she met him and an outlaw even when she returned after 20 years um and if she hadn't come back maybe he would have kept living that life you know uh printing seditious pamphlets even as a printer he was a rebel um he's not the domestic type you know so to speak and she doesn't want to hold him back or make him be less than what his potential is. Uh, he just wants to be with her. Um, this is that uh, I'm a violent man thing. And I like that the juxtaposition of Jamie is that he is probably the most sensitive man in the world. Um and but also the most you know he has a this this violence that he can turn and it's always usually in defense of of something he's not a violent man to be violent he's a violent man to defend his family or his property or his love or whatever and and i i like that um Uh, a a (laughs) big shout out goes out to um the the gary Steele and his entire team for creating um what what in the middle of um a glasgow park we created 
um, a Highland Games, <laughs> and we added obviously we added Grandfather Mountain and the entire costume department. Um, Terry and Nina, who put together these hundreds of people, with they got they went out and bought uh, '70s clothes, yeah, American '70s clothes, and just with this is what Outlander does so well, I think, yeah, is they, they the te- the teamwork. Look at that! I know and, it's it's so authentic but, looking. But look, it, we, we really surrounded neat. we surrounded this yeah. park with American cars. We got thirty or forty American right. cars out there, and we pointed them. You know, and and it's just so amazing. It, I love it's that. It's great. I mean, I remember the first season of Outlander. One of the first things uh, that some of some of us did when we started working on the show is when we saw that they had Scottish festivals in L.A. They have one at the Queen Mary and uh, one in Ventura County, and I went to a couple of them just to check it out. It looked exactly like this. When when I saw these dailies, I was like, wow, this captures exactly what, like, and what's so cool, I love Ernie's line in the earlier scene. He's like, wait, you're going to, you're leaving Scotland to go to a Scottish festival in America, and this is like the American version of... um, you know, it's celebration of Scotland, and it's a little bit, it's a little bit, you know, um, commercial, a little bit cheesy, but that's the charm of it, is that it's a, an approximation of Scotland, and it's a, it takes the heart of what Scotland is about, and, you know, gives you a weekend of this. But I, I love that, that, you know, our, our art department a lot of the pictures that you see, uh, the, a lot of those people are from our art department. Our crew, I love that. Yeah. You know, I mean, they drew themselves because yeah. you have to draw somebody. Um, we well, shot I... this at, at uh, different times. The We had to wait until the weather got better to shoot all this outside stuff. Um, but the inside yeah. stuff was shot at a different time. Yeah. And, and how seamlessly it's put together. I really, I, I think that's... Right. <laughs> Richard does bring a great energy to Roger, and, and oh, he, um, you, you can't you can't help liking him. He's great, and no great. matter how hard you try, you yeah. can't. And I try very hard <laughs> not to like him. <laughs> well, this is important because they're just bonding and having yeah. such a good time, and that's leading to. Obviously, what's going to happen later is that that it's a perfect weekend where everything's going great and Bree is embracing uh, this and and having a good time with him. Um, it's magical. I love the slow motion here. I like that. I like that. Bear took the the music. It was fun. It was festive, and then he slows it down, and yeah. it becomes. Uh, kind of romantic in a way. We did and, this in post, right? We decided yeah. to slow it down. Yeah. Um, and the trees swaying, and Jamie's shooing another. You know, well, he's always he's working always on working those on horses. the horses. He's the horse whisperer. Now here comes Clarence. This is his star turn. You remember the scene a little while ago where he had to run away? Apparently that was one of the hardest things to shoot. They had to do we had many, to many, many takes. And we do had to reshoot it. We had to reshoot it because 
you know, mules are known for being stubborn. Yeah. We and, were calling uh, him the Fraser the the Fraser mule because it's very stubborn. <laughs> and uh, no, we did it we did yeah, it again later. He he they tried shooing him away but he wouldn't run. Um Yep. And he he was Yeah, he was um the most difficult actor on this particular shoot, Clarence. Well. <laughs> Um, obviously, you can see Katrina does um, uh, a lot of her, well, all of her own writing, to tell you the truth. She she and Sam do so much of her their own writing. She didn't do this particular moment because we wouldn't let her. Yeah. But um, uh, they're very good. Uh, their horseman, horse oh, personship yeah. is very good. They're, they're really good with the horses. Um, uh, speaking of... Their own talent is uh, Richard. Yeah, is uh, plays the guitar and sings, and this is all him. He was so excited yep. when we told him that he'd be singing and playing because he is an actual musician and yep. knows, and a, and a great singer. Yeah, and and you know, I mean, when you say, "Hey, look, I I was invited to go to another country to play at a festival," you better be good. Yeah, and what was great about it is. He was good. Yeah. And we put Roger, uh, we put Richard in uh, in a room and said basically rehearse. And yeah. he did for for days. And he just, he really he worked it. at it. He really worked at it. And I, I love that about Richard is that he dedicates himself. And, yeah, and he, we, practiced he, so, he practiced so hard. This song, um, you know, we toyed with what song should he sing? Should he sing a Donovan song? Should he sing something from the 70s that's American? But we ultimately settled on uh, this song is an old old Scottish festival. Yeah, but you're song, at a right? Scottish festival. Doesn't yeah. that make sense? Yeah, so... Um, I think, isn't Donovan Irish? Is Donovan Irish? Yeah, it sounds Irish to yeah. me. But American 60s, certainly folk singers, Bob Dylan, all that was of the era. But we thought there was a... Um, Kind of a poetry to the title, uh, given what's going to happen with he and Brianna later in the episode. And actually, uh, you liked it so much that you snagged it for the title of the episode. We did, yes. I, I, it's, it's, you know, I'm always looking for a good title. Um, well, the way we do this is, is Richard, Richard actually sang this while we were um, uh, doing some takes, but then he uh we do playback as well so he's, he records it and then he sings it live and it's kind of a combo but um he knocked it out every every time and yeah and you can see the the young uh <laughs> the young folk falling in love with him right there whether it be uh yeah. brianna or the 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 two lasses next to her, next to her I know this is the kind of scene that in the editing room, even us who have seen it a hundred times, you start watching the song and you just totally get caught up in it and you forget that you're like even supposed to be editing and the song ends and nobody says anything for a little while and then we're like, ah, okay, uh, wait, what angles do we want to use in this? Because you weren't even thinking about it because you were so moved by the song and caught up in his performance. And, uh... Ben did a really nice. Ben Bolt, who directed this, did a really nice job in kind of creating that, uh, you know, art house, yeah, beatnik world of 
yeah. folk singers and um yeah and you know um roger even though he's you know from scotland he's in a weird way connecting with his roots too because i think this is the first time we've seen him in a kilt and he's a you know he's a mackenzie and it's interesting to have brianna think like well i'm kind of a fraser you know i'm part of the fraser clan but she's just thinking about it for the first time but it's also making her think about her mom who she misses because now claire's been gone now over a year and she's thinking of her mom in scotland it's making her kind of, i think it's making her emotions kind of raw and vulnerable and here you know things are heating up between them because this this festival's drawing them closer by pulling their scottishness together i think just the whole the whole trip yeah you know you spend you spend three days in a car with anybody you either hate them or you love them you know yeah so what did ben franklin say after three days both the house guests and fish stink (laughs) so you know three days in a car it's really going to yeah and it seems to they they're really they've they've grown closer and closer Now, we manif- we made this book up. Yeah, we did. In fact, I think Danny named it A Home From Home. Danny. Danny, uh, our, who's... Uh, Daniel Barrow, Danielle Barrow, our... Uh, assistant who, who works in uh, Scotland. But we... Um, um, once again, kudos to location and is for oh, finding this yeah. place in Scotland. We wanted A-frames. We wanted a, a mountainy looking resort. It looks resort. like a 1970s like roadside, 19, you know. Yeah. Oh, and this was fun. So we, we really, found yeah. one, so it was great. <laughs> yeah, I think I like Brie in these scenes in this episode more than in, you know, I just, she's just very, we get to see a different side of her. And she's very funny. I mean, this is the lighter-hearted Brie that, like, like, you know, we we see why he's so into her, that she's got a side to her that's adventuresome and passionate. And, you know, they're caught up in this, they're caught up in this perfect weekend they're spending. She's even wearing um, a tartan there. Yep. Getting in the spirit. Yep. But it wouldn't be Outlander if it didn't get, you know, messed up in some way. No, and this... Scottish Festivals is not in the book. They... No. What happens here in the room with Roger's proposal happens uh, when they're visiting each other, I believe, at Christmas, and they they go to church together. Um, We stole Christmas... Uh, I stole it for a, an episode last season, and you borrowed. We, it. I borrowed it. I borrowed it, um, <laughs> <laughs> and you know we thought this would be a good place for the proposal, but we did use the bracelet from the book, which you know he he wasn't necessarily planning to propose. It's not like he bought a ring, and actually I think our research showed that. You didn't always get a ring back then in the 70s. It was, you could propose, especially in the UK, with a bracelet, a necklace, but it's got the inscription on it um, from the book. I think that's one of the things, the biggest things that we do in, in the writer's room is we try to take this massive 
you know, usually a thousand page jigsaw puzzle and, and use things where people recognize, but we yeah. have to tell it in a, in a, in a fashion that fits our format, which is not a book, which is right. a television show. And we have such limited amount of time. So we have to, we have to make yeah. all the pieces work and tell a story for people who have never even looked at the book. Yeah. So they have to understand it too. Yeah. And, and that's, that's our, uh, always, you know, we get asked that, I know uh, Tony and I get asked that probably your the biggest the question we get asked the most is what's the biggest challenge in dot 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 you know this season this episode this what and the biggest challenge is always um fitting things in we have so much story yeah and and to fit it in is um so all everybody on twitter and instagram who asked that question that's really the answer is taking all the material we have the biggest challenge is always fitting it in and yeah and moving the pieces around. You know, it kind of reminds me of those contests where someone gives you a grocery cart and says, you, you get um, 10 minutes in the store and whatever you can fit in the cart, you can keep. And you literally are speed racing around and trying to grab the ice cream and grab the grab whatever are your favorites and, and fit it in in that time and in that space. Yeah. And that's what we have to do. And here, you know, obviously this is one of the high points. Um well, it's a big turn in their relationship and, you know, yeah. working out how this happened and how it played. And, you know, on the page, it's much longer. And actually in the filming, it was longer. So we had to we had to, to well, cut down some of the stuff. But we, we left the the most important parts are. Yeah, we we had to make sure this scene was very tricky, yeah. that it was balanced so that we didn't hate him or hate her for this thing where they're both. They both love each other, but she wasn't expecting this. We can't make her look like a jerk for turning him down or him look bad for pushing this on her. But he gets super excited and, and caught up in the moment and asks her to marry him. And she's like, wait a minute, I, I'm i not ready for this. And I think this is very human. I think that miscommunications like this happen between couples. But the, the important part of that is that, once again... You have to come out they, in scenes that that you have two people fighting. They have to be right. They both have to be right yeah. for you to end up liking both of them. Either one person and hurting for both yeah. of them. Going, oh, you have to have empathy you know, for both characters. Bree, just chill out. He loves you so much. He just, he just, and then telling, you know, feeling for him and going, dude, maybe you rush this a little, but she does love you. But just, you know, don't, don't freak out too much. You know. Um, you really feel for both of them because you also know the, they're just in the, in not the time connecting. That what helps is the time, is you know he's not. This is not the seventies like you know free love. He's a he's a minister's no, he's son. He's from Oxford. He's, he's from he, you know yeah, he's, uh, Inverness. Scotland. He's not a hippie. He, he's not in um, you know Berkeley, San Francisco. He's not like part of the love generation. He's more. Of a button-down guy, and and she's a little more sheltered too in Boston, um, being the you know Harvard professor for a dad. She's not a flower child in L.A. or something, and so we're being true to their time as well. But I can see him, yeah, doing the thing. Um, we we don't often use. Uh, we have in the past a couple times used rain machines. But in Scotland, you tend not to have to do that. 
there's a rule in the writing room. You don't write weather. It just whatever <laughs> happens is the weather that you're yeah. going to see. But this particular um, moment had to be a storm. So um, we we had to enhance what rain, um, if it did rain on that day, um, we had to make sure it was really raining. So this is, this is one of those select moments that we would have used a, a rain machine and, and the lighting yeah. effects and all that. And this uh, this little part, which was uh, written to be in a cave, um, there wasn't really a cave, but they had found this a, a tree that had fallen over that made like a natural shelter, and so it was set in this fallen over tree. There are a lot of caves in the book. Yeah. And what there aren't are a lot of caves in Scotland. In Scotland. So, and, and Gary Steele and... And uh, David Brown and I will tell you, because we've looked at every one of them, they're just, there's just not a lot yeah. of filmable caves in Scotland. So um, I think we've, we've driven you've seen up every, and down and across. You've seen every cave in country. Scotland. And <laughs> like just, you carved on the wall of the cave. Matt, Matt was, was here. Was here. <laughs> yes. Cause and, and you go, where are all these caves where, coming yeah. from? So. Um, and I don't know who that would be. Hmm. I wonder, yeah. are his initials O-T? <laughs> or is that one word? <laughs> uh, I think it's just O. It's just O. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the, the, the filming of this was done multiple times. This particular um, stone at night with the given light, we had to we had to keep filming it to make sure you could see it. Um, the little things that that you know you film it once and you go, oh, well, you can't yeah. really tell what that is. So you have to keep doing it and doing. It. See how it glows and yeah. And then you bring in costume and say, hey, can you can you do something to it so we can see it more and. Um, because even though that's technically right. at the moment a prop, it became costume. So, uh, what department handles it right. is always a. And this guy too, um, lots of discussions about how to portray this. You know, is he's a ghost? Do we want him to disappear? Do we want him to flicker? Should we see through him? We did a lot of camera testing. I think we 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 spent is. more time on this particular oh, thing yeah. and then uh, you know really the discussions of this were and and the filming and, and i believe in the in the book he's supposed to talk but he talks without moving his mouth and claire hears words which we couldn't really portray on screen it would come off it would be hard to show so he doesn't really talk or say well, anything. because we do voiceover Right. You would think it was, it was voiceover, voiceover right. so that's why we didn't do that. Is so she has to just get a sense from looking at him that he's carrying a sadness, that he's that he's not there to hurt her, but that it's a puzzle to her. Who is he? He's obviously connected to the... I believe it was your idea to add the the cut to the back of his... You know, that he had been scalped and the well, blood the, and the injury. Because if you didn't... It wouldn't you would be just connected think he to was the a, skull. a guy. Yeah, yeah, he was just it, a guy. To let her know that that was his skull. Yeah. Um, little little trivia for for anybody. We 
we have um, uh, every now and then someone will do a cameo in our show. Um, those of you who are longtime fans will know that uh, Diana did a cameo in season one. Ron Moore did a cameo in yeah. season one. One of our longtime uh, producers on the show, our UK producer, David Brown, um, decided uh, I asked him um, because he was uh, uh, leaving the show after this particular season um, to do a cameo in this, and we found a perfect part for him. And you'll hear it in about two seconds. So uh, mm -hmm. um, this is this is still the same location. Um, we filmed this over two days in uh pollock park in glasgow um we did the daytime scenes and then um we filmed the nighttime scenes over two nights mm -hmm. um and we did it um in the middle of the night wow. so this was probably three o'clock in the morning you know something oh, like that God, yeah. and and um I still love that they're trying to come together. They both they both know they want to be together, but sometimes pride gets in the way, especially, you know, as we know, Scots, some Scots, not yeah. all Scots, some Scots are very prideful and stubborn and Well, we see here why Brianna has some trepidation about marriage and it's not just that, you know, she's young and in school and, you know, hasn't thought about her future. But part of it is the marriage that she grew up uh, observing with her parents and how... Oh, you know, hold on. David Brown. There's David he's, Brown. David Brown's our, our, our UK producer. He's the... And we, we made him the clan... The clan caller is what... <laughs> <laughs> he had a good time doing yeah, he, this. Yeah, he had a good time. We had about um, uh, a couple hundred people out there that day and night, and um, as it is Scotland, yeah. it was cold. And um, so, but once again, kudos to the art department, yeah. and the costume department, for putting this all together for uh, us. It's a it, huge it really undertaking just, uh, for it, them. It just, really uh, created this this they, big moment in the episode. They never disappoint. Uh, in pulling together costumes at the last minute, even for hundreds of people, and making it look. I remember, you know, part of the edict was don't make them all look perfect. You know, make it look like a 1970s cobbled together, you know. Um, and it looks very, very authentic. It doesn't look too perfect. Sam, we, 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 found, we found some research where the cars would leave their lights on. So we put the cars in the background. Ah, the lights yeah, are cool. on. And, <coughs> excuse me. Burn the stag. Burn the stag. <laughs> Which is great. I, I love it when he does it. We made him do that about ten times. Just you know, we got it. We just yeah. learned him to, to he doesn't punish have him a, a little He bit. doesn't have a mustache, by the way. That no, I think no. they put that on him. So we had two separate stags that night. We had one what was that's we a called real one stag. For, that's not a special effect. We actually burned. Yes. Our so real we 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 had two. We had this one that we were going to burn, but we wanted to make sure we had another one in case we yeah. had to do repeats. Um, but we didn't. It was so well mm -hmm. done and that it burned for about thirty minutes. So it was really great. Yeah, and I I love the metaphor of Roger watching this happen and standing. You know, the stags burning behind him, and basically it's like 
it's him you know it's the it's the the destruction really of his dreams and you know and uh, Richard Rank is just so good here yeah his heartbreak showing on his face and he's watching the stag fall as he has you know crumbled during this you know sort of failed attempt at something he thought would be really romantic and having to realize it didn't yeah. And there out. was a big debate about whether we we watched her walk away because it was played yeah. where she we we filmed her walking away, and then um, or whether she was just gone. And I think it plays much better as she was just gone and he he looks yeah, for her and, and she's not there. And 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 I think his hope against hope is that she would still be there. And even though his yeah. words kind of kind of gave her no choice. You know, believe it or not, creating footprints in mud is um, a lot more difficult than you would imagine. It's not just uh, yeah. I think um, stepping in mud and hoping they stay. No, they uh, from from what I understand, they actually cast them the footprints yep. in cement and place them to the camera yep. so that they could move them and change the direction of travel as needed, or fill them with water, or whatever they needed to do. That's exactly it, because you can't just you know hope that you step there and it no. stays, you know, and and when light changes and um, so yeah, we we it's the smallest detail. And all this stuff is planned out. What we do is we do these, we do prep meetings. We, we do, we call them page turns. We do that at the beginning of prep and we do it in the middle of prep. And then we do it at the, the last day before we start filming. We have a big production meeting, it's called, where everybody discusses these details for yeah. the 100th, sometimes 200th time. And you really want to work them out so when on the day, you know exactly yeah. what, what's, what's happening. And we do we do uh, something else for the script, and we do the same thing, and we have script meetings over and over again. And then at the end, the, on the last day before filming, we we have three different tone meetings um, throughout prep too. We have the tone meeting in the beginning, a tone meeting in the middle, and the tone meeting at the end. And the tone is basically, you know, what you want. Say we we were talking to the uh, the director about we need this to be to feel you know, heartwarming and then heartbreaking. And then, you know, this is the way we want it to feel. And so they know yeah. what, how to, how to you basically, you know, put that on the film. So, or we have digital. to make sure the director's on the same page uh, with what the writer's intention was so that there's not, you know, when you're in the middle of filming, you don't have the time to spare to have huge discussions about what something should be. So we make sure all that's planned in yeah. advance. And we do, we do, you know, because we film in blocks, we fill two episodes, two episodes at a time. We prep two episodes at a time, yeah. so it ends up being about a five to six week prep with you know twenty four days of filming, and we spend a lot of time prepping these episodes to get um, to make sure we know that that uh, is that Claire's hair is going to be wet in this scene, and that Jamie's hair is going to be wet, you know, and 
should she have her bag on and should he be wearing you know i mean every little detail is discussed <laughs> this was always, this was a tough one to work out in the writing of this particular scene as well because you yeah. you you're you're talking about a ghost. We're and, talking about a ghost, yeah. You know, and I think the one thing that we can always fall back in, fall back, sorry, fall back on is that that Claire came through time, right? So you have to believe in some sort of magic. You have to. Yeah, and well, Jamie. If you're Jamie or Claire, you, Jamie you have to believe magic. in some he, sort of magic. I mean, Jamie grew up in a time where they believed that in fairies and changelings and magic. So he kind of doesn't flinch when she says, it, "Yeah, I think a ghost brought me here." And he's like, "A ghost." He's like, "A ghost." He's not like a ghost. What the heck? No, no, that's he's what he's like. I mean. a We're ghost. talking about oh, tone, okay, you know. And yeah. that's what you. That's what you tone is that. Yeah. That that you talk about those things that you know. They've both come through time. You know, he, right. I mean, she's come through time. He sent her through time. It, there has to be this magic in this world that, yeah. that exists. And speaking of magic, what she finds here um, is very revealing um, when she finds the silver fillings. Yeah, and speaking of magic is we filmed this a couple times to bring out yeah. To bring out the filling because well, we just I couldn't think, see it. I think in the book there's only one silver filling and we're like, uh, we're gonna, I think we're going to need more silver fillings just so they can make sure that we... And read, by the way, make them more the silver too because more silver. they just look like dirt the yeah. first time we filmed it. Even though, uh, even though to the, the yeah. eye, and, yeah. to the eye they look super silver, but when you get them on camera, sometimes it doesn't. It changes, yeah. So we just have to kind of enhance it sometimes. And it's super exciting. I remember uh, they did they did put this in one of the trailers, and I remember Meryl and I talking a lot about, oh, do we want to show the silver fillings and the skull in the trailer? But because um, it's a little bit of a spoiler, but it's just one of the most intriguing moments to me in the whole season. And we decided, yeah, let's go ahead and show it because. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to get people interested and excited about what's happening this season. So we went ahead and kept it in. And here's yeah, our strawberry it's, scene. It's the middle of winter. That's why uh, strawberries were hard <laughs> to come by. Um, once again, art department. Um, those are not naturally um occurring strawberries in this area Did they get those from waitrose like they the may store? have these are all built in a yeah. lot of them wild strawberries at the time obviously didn't look like our strawberries that we have in the supermarket so no. though a lot of those are raspberries ah. hand placed oh. on fake plants so they're real real raspberries but do they um, use scotch tape or were they using? no they didn't use scotch tape <laughs> do they glue them to the leaves they look very they look cool this and, is probably the the scene or the view that has been talked about more than any other yeah. view in our show we it, it had to be you know epic and finding it and and the waterfall and it just had to be majestic yeah majestic um, and magical and we kept saying majestic majestic well here's a big moment of realization where 
they have to make a decision, you know, where are they meant to live? Where is home? What is Jamie meant to be? Uh, he's fallen in love with America. He's fallen in love with this particular piece of land, but he knows that it means uh, making a deal with the devil. Well, it's what we talk about all season. You know, the question is, what is home? And, you know, for me personally, his home is standing right next to him. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't matter if he's if he's standing there or if he's in Scotland or if he's in, you know, Timbuktu. It doesn't matter. Yeah. That's home. And Claire. Yeah. And, you know, but he's always wanted to give her thing, you know, he wanted to give her yeah. four walls. He wants to give her, you know, um, yeah. everything that he can, and and, and that's kind of the story this yeah, year is, is is what what will you do for that, and and what what when do you recognize what it is? I also love the music that Bear McCreary did here, and we uh, talked to him about how we needed this to really hit those heartstrings and be, you know, the moment that they realize this is home and the Fraser's Ridge, what we call the Fraser's Ridge theme. And it's really beautiful. Thanks everyone. That's uh, episode three, the false bride. Um, uh, thanks for, thanks for joining us. Um, uh, Tony. Yeah. It was fun. I don't know what we were drinking. Wild turkey was it? Wild turkey. Wild turkey. That was and good we're gonna too. Fin- I think we'll finish it off. Yeah. We'll let these guys go, but we'll we'll stick around a little yeah, bit. Yeah, let's finish, finish the up. bottle. Let's finish this bottle. Cheers, everyone. We'll see you <laughs> next week. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to you next week. So. All, right. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs>